This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 254, recorded the evening of Thursday, December 7th, 2017. Yeah, there's only one thing wrong with what you said there. Uh, did I say 27th? No, you said 254. It's actually 354. Son of a bitch, really? <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard uh, to believe sometimes, but three, wow. three, five, four. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. All right. So. Good. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome to episode 354, Jason. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we got a lot to do tonight. We have a lot of feedback, a lot of long emails from people, but that's amazing. So we're going to read as many of those as we can. Uh, but a couple of things to do first. And the first thing I want to do is talk, uh, well, talk about and hopefully put to bed the, uh, situation with the affiliate program that will not be named. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I can name the affiliate program. It was the Amazon Voldemort. Yeah, that's the one. Vold Voldemort. The whole Amazon thing. So, you know, if you listened after last, uh, earlier this week's podcast, you know, we're, we're done, we're shut down, that's it, no, no going back. So that is fine. Um, but what I have done now is totaled up all of the income we would have made in the month of November from all of our Amazon stores. And I have the total here in front of me, and I'm very, very excited to announce to everyone that we will be making a donation to the Canadian Cancer Society in the amount of $1,119 Canadian. I think I'll probably just round that to $1,120. Holy shit, that's awesome. Not bad, eh? Yeah. So, you know, after all of this, that's what it came out to. And that's an accumulation from our U.S. uh, account, our Canadian account, the U.K., and Germany, France, and Spain, all of them. Although nice. France and Spain didn't contribute anything, but... You know, what are you going to do? They, they, uh, they showed up. <laughs> <laughs> they came to the party. It's okay. That's right. That's right. So that also includes a really generous donation, uh, directly from a listener who, who just sent us the cash instead of, um, using the Amazon. But, uh, yeah, 1,120 bucks Canadian. I, wow. I, I converted everything to Canadian and added it all up. So we'll be sending that to the Canadian Cancer Society. It is amazing. Um, and I feel really good about being able that, to send that's it. That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal amount. That's like, that's more than double what I thought we might get. Oh, so really? That's, uh, that's fan- Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, it is good. It's, it's really amazing. Um, now since we're not getting any cash from Amazon, fair enough, uh, I might split that donation over a few months just to right. ease it out, but it's all going there. Don't worry. Uh, it will all make it to, Am- to uh, not Amazon, to the Canadian uh, Cancer no. Society. <laughs> Voldemort. Well, no, we're not giving Voldemort any money. No, I guess not. Now, just before we move on, a lot of people have asked if there's anything they can do to help out uh, or if there's anything they can just do. And I've got a couple of options for you here. The first one and the easiest one, I think, is that if you want to make a contribution, uh, just head over to cancer.ca, which is the Canadian Cancer Society's website, and make a donation directly to them. That's, you know, doesn't involve us at all, but that's not the point. And, you know, if you want to do that, that would be fantastic. I would love to hear that people are doing that. Or, you know, just as good, visit your local 
cancer charity and make a donation. You know, the American Cancer Society, the UK, they're, they're all over the world. So you can go and do that to whichever one you choose. And either way, no matter what, it's going to make us happy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's great. The other thing you can do if you really want to, you can send money to us and I'd be happy to forward it on to the Canadian Cancer Society. If you want to do that, that's fine with me too. Um, the easiest way to do that is send me money on PayPal. And in that case, go to paypal.me slash Chris Fairhurst. That's uh, paypal.me slash Chris, F as in Frank, A-I-R-H-U-R-S-T. And you can send me whatever amount you want and I'll, I'll collect that and get it over to the Cancer Society as well. Just make sure that when you land on that PayPal link that you see the black and white podcast logo and my name will be there and it'll say Toronto, Canada, I think. If you see the podcast logo, you know you're at the right place. There's other Chris Fairhursts on PayPal, I guess, but... Uh, wow, know. there's other Chris Fairhursts in the I know. world that isn't, have PayPal? That's crazy. That's nuts, I know, but uh, make sure you see the black, uh, like, handset podcast logo. It'll be right there. So, again, just a big thank you to everyone who's offered to do that, and uh, cancer.ca is the Canadian Cancer Society, or paypal.me slash Chris Fairhurst, and that'll... The nice thing about PayPal is that uh, PayPal is owned by eBay, which is a competitor to Amazon, so it's completely separate from uh, from Amazon. <laughs> completely separate. Nothing at all goes through them. Yeah, you can't pay for Amazon stuff with PayPal. Oh, no. Which is annoying, but it's... Yeah, they're competitors, so uh, this true. is a big screw you. So we're going to do an alley-oop. If people send you money, uh, then you'll just... You'll uh, you'll send it to the Canadian Council Society. Yeah. So you're basically jumping up near the hoop and they're going to throw the ball and then you'll give it a great big dunk. I will. I Look will. Sports metaphor. Look at me. Look at you go, man. Look at you go. That's two in a row, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. But anyways, thank you so much to everyone who did participate. It is fantastic. It's too bad the way it all worked out. But at the end of the day, we're still sending in a great donation. So I think we can all feel wonderful about that. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been great. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, let's get into the episode a little bit here, Jason. Let's get up to date on the ratings. Season 8, Episode 7. I am sad to report had the lowest ratings of Season 8 so far. Oh, burn. Not by a lot. They It had 7.47 million, so under 8 again, and lower than the last time it was under 8, which was 7.85 for Episode 5. Motherfucker, we're going to get canceled. Well, I, I don't know, but I do get the feeling that AMC is is trying some stuff here. I think the the crossover character to Fear the Walking Dead, you know, I do think that's mostly about fear, getting people on the main show to go over and watch that one. But a little part of me can't help but think it, it kind of serves two purposes, that being one of them, but also just a stunt, almost a publicity stunt to, to get Walking Dead in the news and something out there that people might be like, oh yeah, Walking Dead. I, I watched that for a few years. I, I Maybe I'll go back to it, you know? Um, you know what we need? We need a Walking Dead role-playing game, like a tabletop role-playing game with like rule books and the whole shoot and match. That'd kick up the ratings. You think, well, amongst people like you anyway. <laughs> well, amongst people like me, yeah. But I, I think, I mean, Star Wars has one. They have a role-playing game. Yeah. You played it. Yeah. Well, I played it when I was a kid. Is it the same one that's still going? Well, there's uh, there's lots of Star Wars role-playing games. Right, apparently. okay. But uh, yeah, that's what we need. I think we need, you know, I'm surprised we don't have one. We have a Walking Dead cake. We got everything uh, else. Yeah, we have everything else. There's figures, there's uh, there's board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not a role-playing game? A nice RPG, I think, would, uh, would go over well. And then maybe turn it into an RPG video game. Well, We've had Walking Dead video games in the past. Uh, some good ones, too. 
but I, I think a nice uh, sandbox RPG would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I bet you there is one out there already. I just did a Google and I got the Walking Dead role-playing game. I don't know if it's huh. in development or if it's actually available, but uh, or if it's just something that fans have come up with. I don't know. See how awesome an idea it is? It's it exists. A, it's a fantastic friggin' idea. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so the reason I think AMC is is trying some stuff is that now this is this is not spoilery, but it does contain information about something that's going to happen in the mid-season finale. Nothing specific, and AMC officially released this information. So I'm going to feel okay about talking about it here. Uh, but if you're really concerned, uh, skip ahead a little bit to the actual listener feedback section. But what AMC did on Sunday, uh, after the episode, or immediately following the Sunday's episode, number seven, as they went into their Talking Dead show, is that they teased a crazy, extremely shocking moment that no one will believe in the pre in the season eight mid season finale. Now, when you say they teased, they just said that it will exist, or they, did they show anything? No, they said it will exist. They oh. said tune in next week for the mid season finale, including the shocking moment that you know I don't know the exact words, but the implication was including the shocking moment that no one will believe like that you won't see coming, that kind of thing. So they teased that. They said that straight out. Right. And then Talking Dead started, and Hardwick did his little intro, and even he mentioned it, this, in, this incredibly shocking moment. And then he said something I thought was interesting. He goes, I spoke to the producers, and I asked them, is it, uh, you know, if, is, is it really that shocking? Do you need to, will it, will it be shocking if you're teasing it like this? And they assured me that it's so shocking that even if you know something's going to happen, you'll be blown away. So that was all additional marketing spin coming out of his mouth. But at the same time, I felt like at le even he, at least he was acknowledging the fact that, you know, they're doing something that they've traditionally haven't really done that much. But with the Morgan thing and with this teaser of this shocking moment that you're not going to want to miss, Jason, I feel like AMC is taken a different approach to some of the marketing here a little bit. And is that a result of ratings that are down or at least what they consider down? Directly related to the ratings. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely positive. And uh, maybe I do want to miss it. Maybe I'll just skip this this episode. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a fill-in co-host co then, so don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I'll still do the show. Oh, okay. We're going to do a recap, right? But <laughs> Yeah. You'll yeah, watch it for the I'll, first I'll time while I'm talking talking it through. <laughs> Actually, uh, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm a little bit excited about it. I'm trying to think of what it might be. Uh, Eugene turns into a bat. <laughs> He's a vampire. <laughs> All this time. All this time. Who knew? That's who what knew? the long hair is for. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He flies away on the power of his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I don't know. I mean, everyone assumes well, someone's going to die, but. People die all the time on this show. And, you know, we haven't had a well, major yeah. character die in a while, but people die. And it's always shocking and sometimes not so shocking. So... The, yeah, that can, that absolutely... That's a good point. That absolutely cannot be the uh, the thing that happens because it's going to be shocking to the point where no one can believe. Uh, we've had people die on the show many, many times. Of so course. that's something that is something that we would believe <laughs> and that we would see coming, and especially in some kind of finale, whether it's a mid-season finale or a finale finale or, uh, you know, a suspense 
in the finale for the premiere of the next season. Uh, but so it can't be a death. Well, like, yeah, I think we can safely rule that out. I, I, I mean, could it be a death that comes um, in an unusual or new way? Like, could one of our so-called good guys kill one of the other so-called good guys, either on purpose or by accident? Like, it, See, it's not just a Walker death, or it's not a savior killing somebody. Is it Rick, Rick killing Maggie Darryl? or Rick shooting Daryl for going against the plan? Yeah. Like that, that would be new that, and, and pretty shocking. shocking. And, you know, they've shot each other uh, by accident a few times over the years, but never really on purpose and never with the intent to kill. So that, that's the only thing I could think of. Um, you know, otherwise, I don't know. And, and Rick, the, the, Rick joins Negan. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not a death at all. Rick has a change of heart and they team up. Fuck it. I'm just going over now. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I have read the comics. I'm not going to talk about it, but I know where the all out war storyline ultimately goes. I have no idea though, if they're going to get to that this week or if they're going to play that out until the end of the season. Um, but there are things in the comic that I considered pretty surprising at least. And could it be something like that, that they're going to throw into the show and think people are going to be just absolutely blown away by. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So anyways. I guess uh, we'll have to wait, what, four days? Uh, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, a few days and, and we'll be there and we'll be talking about yep. it next Monday night. Right then. So, but, but, but back to the original point, um, you know, this is AMC doing this. It sounds like you agree they're doing this because they are just trying different things and they're trying, it seems like, to get as many eyeballs on the screen for Sunday night as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're totally doing that. They are. The only other thing they could try is to launch a billboard into space uh, <laughs> and then piss everybody off to the point where they would have to watch the show in order to continue to be mad at them. Yeah. The only thing is, you know, this episode would have been mostly finished before the season even started. So they wouldn't have known that the ratings were going to be lower, but one, I don't know, maybe they can predict these sorts of things or two, they wrote this into the episode and they know it's pretty shocking and they're just kind of feeling lucky now that they have this thing or this moment that they can tease ahead of time, which is going to help out their rating situation. Or maybe it has nothing to do with anything, and this was the plan all along, and you and I are just reading things into something that's not there. The only other possibility that we haven't discussed that I think we both can safely rule out, and I'm sort of speaking for you, but uh, the other possibility is that it's an out-and-out out lie, that there's no <laughs> actual shocking thing that's happening. They're just saying that they've done it to us in the past with Glenn. Remember when he almost died and they, they pretended that he died, but then he didn't die? Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've fucked with our heads before. You know, it's a possibility. I don't think that they're doing that because that would just, you know, it might give them a little bit of a, a rise in ratings, but it would piss so many people off, including me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's, that's the other possibility. Yeah, I don't like think so. Like it wasn't so. Frank Darabont that said it. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, I think they genuinely believe they have something here that is going to blow the socks off of people. Whether it does or it doesn't, we'll have to find out on Sunday. Uh, but the sheer fact that I know it's coming makes me feel, you know, it puts my guard up a little bit. and Or, or it puts the, it doesn't change my anticipation for the show, but 
it means that I'll be sitting there the whole time thinking, is it now? Is it now? Is it coming? Is, was that it? Is this it? You know, and, and I don't like to watch the show that way. I'd rather it just hit me and my reaction be a little bit more off the cuff and genuine when I'm sitting yeah. there in front of the TV. So I, I just wish they wouldn't do this. Just like well, you I said. You got to get out of your own head, right? Well, that, that's, you know, that's not necessarily their fault. Oh, but it is kind of like they're the ones that told me they're going to do something amazing. And now yeah, but I'm. Remember how excited you got for The Dark Knight? I and we know. went and saw it in IMAX and then you couldn't enjoy it because you were too excited? I know. We've talked about that. Yeah. Was, that was that your fault or was that uh, Batman's fault? In that case, it was my fault. Okay. This case is different and I've learned to, to temper my expectations a little bit since then, I think. What I think you need to do is an hour before you are you know, scheduled to sit down and watch this episode, what you need to do is go into the backyard. Didn't you build a little fort swing thing for your uh, for your daughters out there? Years ago, yeah. It's still there. Yeah, it's still there? Okay. So climb up there, get in there, uh, you know, and just meditate for an hour. <laughs> and just, you know, try and relax, say whatever mantras you have, uh, a la peanut butter sandwiches, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, uh, and then just calm yourself. And then that way you can just let go of all your misgivings and all of your, uh, your hangups and uh, get out of your head. And that way, when you watch the show, uh, you may not even remember that, uh, that they kind of teased you with this thing. We'll see. I'll give it a try. I'll sit in the cold and the snow. Um, well, whatever. If you have to go sit on the can for an hour, do that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just find a nice secluded place and sit in where you can relax. Breathe deeply. Breathe deeply. All right. Good. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, that, that'll be happening coming up on Sunday and we'll be podcasting about it next week. So uh, let us know what you think. But for now, let's move into our feedback about last week's episode of The Walking Dead, Season 8, Episode 7. Listener Feedback. All right, our first email here comes from Mindy in Tonawanda, New York. Mindy says, Last night's episode felt like we missed a scene or two with Morgan. The last I remember, he duked it out with Jesus and walked away after claiming he couldn't do this anymore. Last night, he's lurking around and all ready to be a team player for Daryl and gang. He seemed pretty unstable with Jesus and the Savior chain gang, but last night seemed calm, cool, and collected and ready to help. I guess we're supposed to buy that he was just, he was teetering on the edge of going into clear mode, but now is focused? It just didn't ring quite true to me, especially given his backstory. Oh, that's a good point, Mindy. Yeah, it is. And I could feel that a little bit while watching it. We hadn't seen Morgan for a couple of episodes. Now, it's only been a matter of hours, as far as I know, maybe overnight. But you're right. He was, he was really intense. He attacked Jesus. And seemed yep. like he was trying to genuinely hurt him. So not in a very good mental state. Then he walks away saying, I can't do this anymore. And he ends up being calm, cool, and focused as a sniper guarding the sanctuary. It does feel like there's something in there that needs to go from A to C. And we missed the B, you know? We did miss the B. But, but yeah, absolutely. We're, that's, uh, I didn't catch that and I didn't feel that disconnect. But once it has been pointed out to me... By Mindy, it absolutely uh, is glaring. Well, if you didn't feel it, that's a good thing, I think. You know, maybe not, maybe most I people... I forgot. I forgot that he fought Jesus. Well, yeah. But... In that moment. That's because I was sitting on the can meditating for an hour before I watched it. <laughs> Great. Clearing my head of all my misgivings. Clearing your... I think you're doing it wrong if you're clearing your head. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, it's... That's why it took an hour. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, toilet humor. Oh, we've kind boy. of we've slid into that. It's not what me. I slid into that. I haven't gone there for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Probably not the first time, but uh, I think it just would have taken one scene of Morgan, um, a quick conversation or some way to tell us that he went, he collected himself, and he's like, you know what? Not going to the sanctuary would make sense because maybe there's not a lot going on there. They're trapped inside. He doesn't know Daryl is coming to show up and do anything crazy. So he thinks, I'll sit there. I'll be alone. I'll just be able to be on lookout. Nothing's going to happen. So I can take it easy for a while. And I could have bought into that, but we didn't really get that. And then Daryl shows up and he's all on board for blowing the hole in the wall. So maybe he sat on the can for an hour. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> maybe he, that's the whole problem he was having was that uh, he really needed to uh, take a break. Maybe he did. No one really talks about the fact that they probably don't have running water anymore, eh? No. Why would you need running water? You just need uh, a place, a hole, and uh, some hand sanitizer. I know, but... And maybe some leaves. Run, <laughs> running water... Without the lack of running water, uh, it would be one of the harder things I think for people to get through in the zombie apocalypse. Most of the world doesn't have running water, Chris. Oh, fine, you're absolutely right about that. I shouldn't be so <laughs> and, goddamn. And they first get world. by. Yeah, they get yeah. by. It would be a it would be annoying for you and me for the first couple of weeks, but after that, it uh, it probably would be pretty normal. I guess if flesh eating monsters are chasing you, you might not be worrying too much about. The water running out of a tap. Just the fact that you have any is probably enough. Yeah. All right. All right. So moving on, we have an email from Colin in Moline, Illinois. After one entire season from season seven, episode seven to season eight, episode seven, Mark's face still hasn't healed from meeting the iron, yet Rick's gunshot wound and Michonne's have healed nicely. I know it's a little, it's a bit late, but I was actually quite happy that they carried this character through and sort of kept the continuity of what he went through. Right. So do you remember Mark? He's... I do. Yeah. So he got the iron to the face after uh, playing hooky on work duty at the sanctuary and hanging out with Amber, which was one of Negan's wives. Mm -hmm. So you don't do that without getting an iron to the face. Uh, and I don't know if we'd really seen him since then after he passed out and peed his pants in that scene. Uh, but now he's back and he's not dead and he's still got uh, a big burn mark across his face which is a nice little bit of full season continuity there yep so but it didn't heal as nicely as gunshot wounds no i guess not and probably took a lot longer because the good guys heal really fast yeah and they didn't get shot in the face either right if you get shot in the face it takes a little longer to heal because it's quite visible is that why right? whereas well you, you can if you're not shot in the face you can cover it up with a shirt or something, right? Or pants. Uh -huh. And then you can just assume, oh, he still has the injury and he's just toughing it out. But uh, if it's on the face, like a burn, you can't just, you know, have it completely healed because we can see that the injury is no longer there. Right. <laughs> well, but the scar tissue would be there from a burn that bad. No, it would, but they can't, they, so we can assume that Rick still has the, uh, the injury and that it's visible. He's just covering it up. Yeah, sure. But I don't think that's what Colin is saying. I think he's no, saying. No, it's absolutely not what Colin is okay. saying. I'm just trying to justify it somehow. All right. Yeah. Michonne gets the crap kicked out of her, both, you know, black eyes bleeding everywhere. And then the next thing we know, she seems to be all mostly better. Uh, mm -hmm. He gets an iron to the face and like months later, he's still suffering from it. Yeah, well, Carl got shot in the eye. 
Yeah, and he was and back he, up and running a couple weeks yeah, later. But it's still, it's still visible, right? He's still, it's still an injury that we see. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You can't just replace your eye, so it doesn't work that way. Well, no, not not uh, not for another couple of years. No, soon I'll have a camera in there, and everything yeah, I right. see will be recorded. Well, the Carl, I think I figured the technology in the Walking Dead universe will ramp up over the next couple of years, and he'll get uh, some kind of cybernetic eye <laughs> that'll. Uh, That'll help them out. The aliens will land and they'll bring cybernetic eye technology with them. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. Chris in Indiana sent us an email and Chris writes, how much food and water does the sanctuary consume in a day? From what I can tell, it's been about one or two days since the saviors were attacked, yet they're already out of food and water. I realize the whole reason they do uh, what they do is so they don't have to depend solely on their own supplies. But it seems odd that they would be already out of rations. Can you guys make sense of this? Uh, maybe they're, uh, they're like the grasshopper who didn't plan for the winter. Uh, just didn't store any food. So they're, you know, as soon as, uh, the supply stops coming in, they run out. Yeah. Well, so, but I think Chris is saying like they were attacked two days ago Yep. And then, um, what's her name said that we have about a day, maybe two left. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure she was talking about running out of rations or talking about the zombies getting into the place, but they have also talked about how food and water is running low. So they yep. only had enough food and water stock on hand for two, maybe three days for that number of people. That doesn't seem like very much. No. And that's what I'm saying that that's entirely possible for them to live that way. They're just living for now. And they got this, they got the supply chain thing handled, uh, food and water and stuff comes in. They don't need to stock up. So they just didn't think about it. I, I know, but I'm just saying, I think it seems a little short sighted because as soon as that supply oh, chain yeah. breaks down for more than a day or two, you're starving to death. And that yeah. doesn't seem. There's a whole parable about a grasshopper and a squirrel and the grasshopper didn't save a damn thing. And the squirrel spends his entire life stocking up for the winter, mm-hmm. right? And then, the, you know, come winter, the squirrel's like, well, dude, why didn't you put anything away for winter? It's like, wow, I was having too much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. They're like the grasshopper that didn't, uh, that didn't plan for the future. Negan is a grasshopper. Yeah. Bunch of dumbasses. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, where are we? Next, we have an email from Tom in Milton uh, Keynes, England. I'd say so. All right. After watching season eight, episode seven, I have to say that it made no sense to me whatsoever. I was left wondering why, since picking uh, the walkers off piecemeal inside the sanctuary was such a successful tactic for the saviors, they hadn't before now uh, just let the walkers in anyway. They would have picked them off with gunfire from the upper level walkways in exactly the same way when the truck broke through the wall, only they would have been better prepared. Likewise, I was left wondering who in their right mind would think that Daryl's plan was a good idea. The siege was going so well for Rick and the gang, and the saviors would have inevitably run out of food and water sooner or later. Uh, All they had to do was keep the sanctuary surrounded with snipers and wait for the saviors to surrender. Uh, the thinking on both sides just seems to be completely nonsensical to me, and I'm sorry to say it reflects a more general trend of nonsensical plot lines all throughout season eight. Yeah, and I think that is all very true, that Daryl's plan uh, was a terrible idea. Now, the idea that the saviors didn't want to let, or the idea that they should have let the zombies in in a controlled manner and then been able to take them out, 
I'm not so sure that would have been the first solution that everyone came to because that even though they could control it potentially, it does seem like a rather dangerous proposition to let the undead inside. Um, even though when they did start coming in through the hole made by the truck, they were pretty easy to to pick off and block the stairs and things like that. I'm not sure that would have been the first thing I go to if I was them. Um, so I'm not surprised there. But with the Daryl stuff, yeah, I think it was a terrible idea. But the show justified it by saying that Daryl and Tara, of course, had an additional vendetta against Dwight and were unwilling to wait for Rick's plan to fully be executed to kill Negan because they were interested in getting Dwight. Nobody has any patience anymore. No. Just got to sit back, relax, and let things unfold as they may. Especially when it's going, seemingly going so well. You know, I guess it didn't go perfectly for Rick when he was with Jadis, but uh, in terms of everything they were doing against the outposts and the sanctuary itself, uh, it, things seem to be going really well, as as Tom says. So Daryl drives in and kind of screws it all up, um, even though I guess letting the zombies in did have an effect, but now they're not there anymore, and it, I think this, the saviors can just be on their merry way to come back out. So, yeah. And it it's, makes me think that, uh, nobody ever, nobody in this show has paid attention to any kind of medieval history whatsoever. I mean, uh, if you look at castle design and keep design, uh, for keeping out, uh, armies that are laying siege to you, they have designed ways where, you know, you, you have the barrier in the door and break open the door and all you have behind that door is a long corridor that winds around many ways and, on the sides of the corridor and on the roof of that corridor is basically arrow slits and murder holes. Right. And so you design, if you're going to, if you know that the walking dead is, are going to eventually surround you in a herd, you design your defenses around that. You say, okay, I'm going to have this defensive. Uh, the defensive wall is great to keep out, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, a few wandering zombies here and there, but when they mass, you open up this door, you let in a whole bunch into this long hallway. There's nowhere to go. You just walk down the hallway and you pour friggin' fire through the murder holes and you burn <laughs> them all up and then you shovel the whole thing out and you're done and you wait for the next friggin' herd to show up. Yeah. Or, or even, I mean, pour fire through the murder holes. I like that phrase. I'm not so sure that's ever been said before, but, uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure they have. <laughs> yeah, totally. But even if, if you force your enemy in through a long skinny corridor, you force them to bulk together and you can stand in the open at the other end of that corridor and just, just, you know, shoot them all down easily because they have nowhere to go. So, yeah. uh, and a uh, side note, you know, uh, when you see a tower and you have round stairs that go up into the tower. Uh -huh. uh, did you know that uh, they're all designed uh, so that the stairs go up in a counterclockwise way? And do you know why? Um, counterclockwise, I don't know. Most people are right-handed, something to do with that. Exactly right. And it's easier to, if you're fighting uphill right-handed, it's, it's, uh, it's more difficult. So the, uh, the person defending on the upper stair has more room to fight with his right hand. Oh, because your right hand is bumping against the wall. That's right. Okay. That makes sense to me. Good fun. Yeah, that is good. Well, anyways, I don't think the sanctuary was designed like this because it was not designed to be a uh, medieval castle, but... No, but get your shit together. I mean, I bet you uh, dollars to donuts that Eugene played D&D. &D, oh, he did. And this is where I learned my castle design. 
Yeah, yeah, and he, well, he even referenced rolling a d20 or whatever, I think. So He, he did. 100% so did. Why didn't he, this, this is the thing he should have thought of, was like, instead of, let's pour metal on the zombies. Instead of doing that, friggin' design the goddamn keep where uh, attacks are imminent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. What uh, about a moat? A moat? They could use a good moat. A moat is very helpful. It doesn't even With have to alligators. be... alligators. Sure. I, w- I would say it doesn't even have to be full of water, though. You just a, a big enough trench that they fall in, and then, again, they're trapped in there. Yeah. That, and you Something. Can, you can kill them. Anyway. Okay, let's go on to our next email here. It's from Chris on the internet. Chris writes, Dwight said he's not... Or Dwight said that he's working to save both Rick's group and the saviors, and that he only needs to kill Negan. That's not really consistent with his actions. He can kill Negan at any point, since he's been his right-hand man for a while now and has access to guns. All it takes is a bullet to the head. Yeah, it's the same thing we've been saying the whole friggin' season. Just shoot the fucker. Yeah, and I mean, Rick wants to just kill Negan. He thinks if he cuts the head off, then the body will die. Dwight... But he didn't do it. But he had the chance. He didn't do it, yeah. Dwight is kind of feeling the same way. But honestly... Everybody, I think this is just, you have to put this in the suspension of disbelief category because it it would be too easy. It only takes, it would only take Dwight to be in a room alone with Negan and take that shot. Now, how does he explain what happened, you know, and things like that? He'd have to, he'd have to do it, leave immediately and never come back. That's not so out of the question, but I get it. There would be other logistical problems with just shooting Negan like that. If someone heard the gunshot and came running, you know, who knows, but other than that, yeah, I think we just have to kind of, you know what? That's not going to happen. We just have to believe that and and move on. If only there was a way that somebody could create a poison pill that would kill him and pretty much be undetectable with the level of technology that they have uh, in this situation. Yeah, I mean, if only there was a way to do that and then have the person be willing to use it. That's That's the key right there. Yeah, well, nobody's willing to kill him. That's the thing, uh-huh. is that no matter what the situation is, when uh, when the hands are down, nobody wants to kill Negan. No, he's too entertaining, or he's <sighs> just too good at his job. Like he's he got said. the plot device shield. Yeah, well, he even he said he said to uh, I think Eugene, I'm not going to die. I'm too good at this. And and now that you know, I think about that, that's kind of what we're saying. <laughs> he's yeah. just too good at this to die. So it's yeah, I think it's just there's something protecting him. Like he's unkillable Lucille. for some reason. What is, well, yeah, Lucille's a whole other thing. If he, Lucille would be fine if Negan died. He just, Lucille would just latch on to somebody else and that person would become like the ultimate evil because it's a sentient bat and it doesn't give a shit who the owner is. No. Uh, so I don't think Lucille's protecting him. Lucille's protecting Lucille. Mm. But uh, yeah, Negan, he, he seems to be unkillable. Nobody wants to kill him. That's his, that's his superpower. Is that well, when, no matter what happens, nobody wants to kill him. Yeah. Well, it's, it's working for him. Uh, I, I kind of hope someday somebody has the, the power to kill him, but who knows who that's going to be. I wish Dr. Denise had that power. Oh man. If Dr. Denise was still around, of course, if she was still around, she never would have got shot through the eye and then we wouldn't have the same feelings about her, but I still would be satisfied if she got to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows who it's going to be? Or when it's yeah. going to be, for that matter. Or when, or if, or how. Yep. And why. What's at stake? <laughs> well, we know and who's, why. And who's going to be there. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Lee on the roof in Exmouth. 
Exmouth? Is that how you pronounce that? Well, I, I'm going to say Exmouth. Exmouth? Yeah, I think it's right. probably British. Exmouth. All right. Well, he's on a roof there. <laughs> Good. Wherever that is. Uh, Lee writes, good morning, guys. I really enjoyed this episode. My favorite scene was really subtle, but it jumped out at me. When the doctor left Eugene in sickbay with Gabe, there was a very cool shot of Gabe lying in bed facing the camera, light shining through the window across him as he was asking Eugene to do the right thing. In contrast, Eugene, or Darth Eugene, as I'm calling him now, uh, was sat on Gabe's left, back to the camera, head slightly down and in darkness. I love this scene. Just goes to show you don't always have, to, you know, don't always need magic guns, toxic walkers or RPGs. A bit of well-placed symbolism goes a long way. Well done, Walking Dead. Yeah, you know, it was a really good scene and uh, Lee describes it well. The only thing he doesn't really mention is that, oh no, the light, he does, light shining in through the window. You can see the the light streaming in from this window that's above and to the the right from our the viewer's perspective and uh yeah it was a really nicely framed shot and you know congratulations to the cinematographer or the director or whoever's idea that was because it did look really good and it kind of portrayed the feeling and the tone of the scene visually which i really liked darth eugene <laughs> darth eugene the armored pierogi. <laughs> yeah, he's got the he's got the dark hair helmet. That's already where he's working on it. That's where it comes from. Yeah, his hel- his hair kind of looks like a Darth Vader helmet already. Yeah. So, so pretty soon he'll be more machine than man, and that'll be awesome. He'll have buttons on his chest that control his life functions. That'll be amazing. Just don't push the wrong one. Get a big poop button. Poop. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of those buttons, you know, on Darth Vader's chest makes him go poo. I swear to God. Uh, I suppose. I mean, something. Look it must. up. Th- those buttons keep him alive. And there's uh, anyway. I'll I can talk about the, that chest plate and uh, the buttons on there and why he has them. Like, why the fuck would Darth Vader need a chest plate full of buttons to control things? Well, that's the thing. Like, he trips and falls down and hits the ground, and then he hits the poo button, and then he's equally even more embarrassed. It's the Emperor's way of controlling Vader. He could have built Vader a perfect. Uh, you know, mechanical suit to make him super ultimate powerful. But what he, did, what he did was built him a really crappy one so that Darth Vader would have to worry about other uh, Jedi not force pushing those buttons to make him poop while in the <laughs> middle of a fight. So he has to protect that. So he has to uh, constantly use a lot of his force power just to keep himself alive in this crappy piece of shit suit so that the Emperor can control him because Darth Vader is way more powerful than the Emperor. You have clearly thought about Star Wars even more than me, and boy, and I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> I, I Not all my idea. I uh, read that on the internet, but uh, the Still. poop button is my idea, because I bet you one of those buttons makes him go poop. Well, uh, listen, really quick, you and I have on this very podcast talked about and basically reviewed the last two Star Wars movies, and the next one comes out in like a week. So yeah. we got to see that and talk about it. We have I, I don't to. have tickets. Is it too late? Am I screwed? Like, do I have to wait till March? No, we, we're going to have to make it happen somehow. We'll talk about it off air, but, uh, you, you have tickets, right? You and your wife have tickets? Yes and no. Okay. We bought them, but now I have to go to Vancouver for work. So it's screwing up my Star Wars night, but. Oh, I get to go with your wife then. Actually. You can see it in, uh, Vancouver. Well, I might. She's coming with me. So we're both going to Vancouver on this uh, business well, trip. Well, then me and my wife will go while you're in Vancouver. Well, Sure. I mean, we right, we'll f- figure it out. Yes. We'll, this is exciting. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. I, 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 uh, I look forward to, uh, benefiting from your crappy situation. Okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Next email. 
is John in Connecticut. John writes, I have to disagree with the theory about the saviors shooting the workers. That wouldn't make sense because first off, you'd have to make every shot or follow-up shot a headshot or else you have a zombie horde in the sanctuary. Uh, plus, what would be the benefit of killing them? I doubt the workers would just stand still and be killed. My theory is they armed the workers and sent them out using them as fodder to clear a path and or distract the walkers so Negan and the saviors could make a break for it. This could explain why Eugene looks so upset because it was his plan and he knows a lot of people are going to die. John nailed it. Yep. I, I thought I had it uh, figured out, but uh, John has a much better scenario. Give them all guns and say, guys, this is your job. Go out and clear them all out. Uh, good yep. luck with that. Yep, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I, I, that's a much better idea than killing, because I couldn't figure out why they would need to kill the workers. I just thought that the workers were going to die somehow, and that's why Eugene was uh, upset. But John figured out uh, a much better uh, plausible reason uh, or situation. Yeah. This, uh, I think that, that John is more right than I am. The, the only thing about killing the workers is that it kind of would be a an ironic twist in a, in a way because Daryl wanted to do this Rick's or bust the hole in the wall. Rick said no, because it endangers the workers too much, the innocent people. Uh, and then Daryl does it anyways. The workers don't actually get killed except immediately they're all murdered by Negan, the man who is supposed to be protecting them because Eugene said this is what they should do. So I think that would have kind of been an interesting turn of events, but I agree. I don't think they've just randomly killed all the workers because what's the point? Giving them guns and saying, get out there and do this for us. You know, you are workers, go work. <laughs> makes you can do it sense. in a much more inspiring way than that. I mean, well, of course. people have been inspiring, uh, you know, peasants to take up arms in battle for their lives uh, for centuries. Oh, absolutely. Not thousands of years. So you could, and it wouldn't be just like, here, take this gun, get out there, you fuckhead. I mean, that's probably a bad motivational speech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, the idea is there, right? <laughs> right. The people at the top have been using the people at the bottom to fight their battles for a long time. A long, long time. And it happens in day-to-day -day life to this day. You just don't yeah. realize it all the time. So. Oh, yeah. I get people to do shit for me all the time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I have people <laughs> making me do shit all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Those... Sorry, did I identify with the wrong group of people? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so next we have an email from Chris in the UK. Yeah, and this is I where can't... we, hold on, this is where we start talking a little bit more about Eugene and we get a few longer emails here. So uh, everyone buckle in. Buckle in, everyone. Yeah. Going for a ride. So Chris in the UK writes, I can't disagree with you more about almost everything you said in this episode, certainly about Eugene. Wow. He makes a couple of points here. Point right. number one, he's not a genius. He's a clever guy, but he's not as clever as, as he thinks he is, or at least as clever as he wants other people to think he is. Eugene's whole manner is learned behavior. It's a survival strategy it, uh, he used well before the dead started walking. Uh, his manner of speech is deliberately convoluted and tortured. He'll never say something in a simple and straightforward way if he can think of a complex formulation and he's been doing it most of his life. He's probably, uh, he'll probably find speaking normally quite difficult at this point. Point number two, where did you get the idea that clever people are always right? Eugene thinks the glider will work, but we don't have to. 
Uh, I'd only have a problem if uh, I'd only have a problem here if we saw it working. He's been tasked with saving everyone. He's come up with nothing so far, so he grabs on desperately to the first idea that he comes into that comes into his head. It doesn't really matter what his plan was. The only point is that Dwight has to stop him. All right. Well, maybe Eugene is not a genius. Maybe he's just a clever guy. But the fact remains, he's a clever guy, and I still believe that the glider iPod plan was below him. I think it was the one of the dumbest ideas he could have come up with. And like, to be honest, that's something my eight-year-old would come up with and say, hey, they are attracted to noise. Why don't we play an iPod? Maybe they'll follow the iPod. You know, not having any concept of the decibel level that that can produce or that that little tiny speaker would produce or the fact that there's a propeller running on that plane drowning out the music anyways. The, you know, she wouldn't factor in the, any of the that power stuff. needed to do the job for any for any longer than uh, five minutes. Yeah, probably isn't included in that glider. Even the range of the radio control controller, you know, like how far would you actually be able to fly it away? Probably not far enough. So uh, they, they, there are all these these reasons that anybody could have come up with. Yet Eugene tries it anyways. And sure, he may have been desperate. And that's a good point. It's all he had. So. He was just trying to do something, but I just don't believe that there is any universe where Eugene, especially Eugene, would think that was, that would work. And I don't think he would waste his time on it. So I have two thoughts on this. One is, I think the biggest problem I have is the contrast between the fat lady vehicle and this thing's little two inch speaker. Like they had a whole truck with a whole sound system, which is a good idea. You know, put a generator on there, mm-hmm. uh, put on a whole bunch of deep cycle batteries to power these speakers and play some fucking ACDC and get those goddamn walkers to follow you. Because if I was a zombie, I'd follow ACDC playing in a truck. You don't even have I, to be a walker to follow ACDC. I would just, yeah, I would just follow along. I mean, mm-hmm. it worked for Iron Man. Made me excited. But remember the first Iron Man movie when he, they played black, Back in Black? It was awesome. Yeah. It was friggin' awesome. Anyway, yep. uh, the second, so the, the, the uh, you know, that... One episode earlier, we saw this huge fucking truck full of speakers, and now we got this plane with a two-inch speaker, and these, we're expecting it to do the same thing. It's kind of ridiculous. The second thing is that if Eugene was his back was up against the wall and he couldn't think of an idea to get them out, wouldn't he be uh, more inclined to talk his way out of the situation than actually trying something stupid? Because mm-hmm. he's a talker. He doesn't. He talks his way into things and out of things. That's what what he does. And the whole point number one uh, that Chris made was uh, that his whole manner of speaking is a defense mechanism. I think that if he was, if his back was up against the wall and he couldn't think of anything, he'd try and talk his way out of it. Right. And then to further that, he, the idea he does come up with, although we don't know exactly the details of the plan, but it seems like it's, let's just shoot them all. And, and, and if that's all the idea was, I don't feel like there's anything clever about that. He just somehow didn't come up with it until later after the dumb idea. So I don't walk around the, uh, the roof and just pour fire on these fuckers. Well, you're all about the fire pouring this, this thing. Well, I mean, if they have, I I assume that they have uh, barrels and barrels and barrels of pitch lying around that they can just 
light up. The the problem with lighting a, a horde of zombies on fire is that it doesn't immediately destroy the brain. So you go from a horde of zombies surrounding your compound to a horde of zombies on fire sur- surrounding your compound. And that's that, actually... That sounds awesome to me. Well, maybe <laughs> if you're, I don't know, making a music video for a heavy Remember metal band. Remember those fire zombies from way back when, <laughs> when uh, it was the, uh, the Look at the Flowers episode where uh, Carol shot that uh, little girl. There was those zombies that came out of the fire. They were all like on fire and shit. That was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, awesome, but all, even more dangerous than not on fire zombies. So yeah. I, I'm not sure you'd want to light them on fire because number one, maybe the fire eventually would would uh, decimate them, but they'd probably light a bunch of other stuff on fire before that yeah. happens too. So it's like lighting a raccoon on fire. I mean, it seems like a good idea at the time, but the chances <laughs> are it's going to friggin' run around and set a whole bunch of other shit on fire. So always, always a bad idea for that reason and many others to light I'm a sorry, raccoon I, on fire. I, I, presume, I, I assumed a persona there that was evil and that would light a raccoon on fire. Personally, I would never do anything like that. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> incidentally, Malcolm Young died a couple of weeks ago from ACDC. Remember? That's, that's, I do. Uh, that's a bummer. It was a very, very sad shot that I saw where Angus Young was standing. Uh, there was a photograph of Angus Young staring at the uh, coffin being loaded into the, uh, into the hearse. Standing there with a guitar case in his hand, looking at the uh, coffin of his brother. It was really heart wrenching. That's pretty bad, man. That's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. There, I just found that photo. Uh, All right. Next email is from Jason in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. After your recap, I spent some time thinking about Eugene's motivation, specifically during his wine chugging breakdown. I feel that scene was a callback to Eugene's earlier conversation with Dwight where Eugene was warned that he would ultimately need to do unspeakable things if Negan stayed in power. After communicating his unspoken plan, we see Eugene visibly shaken as the sounds of intense gunfire echo through the sanctuary. In this moment, he is fully realizing the moral dilemma he now faces. As the saviors are completely depleting their ammunition stores to escape the walker-filled confines, Eugene knows that the onus of replenishing the ammo falls squarely on him. Each bullet that he now creates is a death sentence on his former traveling companions. However, if he does not deliver on the ammo, he leaves the saviors completely vulnerable and likely dead. To borrow from Jason's analogy, Eugene is definitely not the type of person who wants the ball with the game on the line. He has consistently found strong personalities to shield him through the apocalypse. Now he's facing the reality that he's at the forefront and that survival and death rests squarely on his shoulders and he's finding it too much to bear. He's got the ball and he doesn't want it. And doesn't know what to do with it anymore because he's always been the man in the background who's latched onto somebody else for uh, protection. But now suddenly he's got to deliver on this promise of replenishing the ammo. And if he does, it's all going to be used to kill his former friends or traveling companions. And if he doesn't, well, not only are the saviors vulnerable because they're out of ammo, he's probably going to be murdered. (laughs) Right? He's going to have to bolt. He's going to have to latch on to somebody. And maybe that's why he, uh, he didn't tell on Dwight because he knows that, uh, because Dwight killed, uh, Dr. Denise and Daryl's so pissed off at him that they will never let Dwight live. So maybe he's letting Dwight live in order to have an escape plan. I can latch on to Dwight and we can get the fuck out of here. Well, it could be something like that. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think Eugene can go back to either group at this point. If, if things go, he, he can't go back to Rick's group. And if things don't go well, 
with this plan to replenish the ammunition supplies, well, he's not going to be exactly in Negan's good books anymore. So you're right, he's going to have to leave. And if Dwight has to leave as, as well, Eugene's going to need somebody to, you know, be his protector. Otherwise, he's on his own. And if he's realizing that, then that's clearly enough for him anyways to have a breakdown of this magnitude. Yeah. Do you think he has the Atari 2600 in his go bag? Well, I know I would because. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not not like it's heavy or anything. No, and you can always find a TV. So plug it in, <laughs> yeah. and you're good to go for a little uh, punch out or whatever the boxing game was called. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I know. I know. I have a video game in my go bag. <laughs> of course you All do. Right. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Keith in Wisconsin. Is that where we are? That is where we are. All right, I'll read that one then. Keith writes, just because Eugene can cast lead bullets does not mean he can make bullets. He can't make the primers, he can't make the casings, he can't make the uh, sizing die or the reloading press. He may be able to make gunpowder, but that's it. Just because they have an old brick building in an industrial park with a metal workbench and a pedestal grinder does not make them a munitions plant. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know anything about ammunition creation but uh i hate to drop it again but i think this is going to have to be a suspension of disbelief thing i yeah well I, they can make black powder and just get a whole bunch of fine muskets right shoot maybe but i personally choose to believe that he could make bullets even if it's outside the realm of possibility i don't know or you you could make a black powder gun out of uh you know fine rolled steel I'm just speculating here, but you know, it's a zombie apocalypse and you've got to scavenge for things, but you take a, a, a steel pipe and you drill a little hole in it and you stop one end of it. And then you, uh, if you can make black powder and you can make a, a, a lead ball or some kind of ball, uh, you know, you can make yourself a, a blunderbuss at least. So you're, you're saying you could make a, a, a ranged weapon of some kind that involves gunpowder, but not yes. necessarily bullets that you can put in existing guns. Right, because uh, like he says, you can't make the primers, you know, the little, you, you don't know what a primer is, nope. but you can't make the casings, <laughs> which are the brass things that go ping out of the out of the, out of the guns in normal operation, not in Walking Dead operation. Maybe they don't need casings because uh, nobody has them anyway in this show. Nothing, there's no cycling, there's no right. brass being, anyway, uh, you can't make the, the sizing die or the reloading press. The reloading press is where you put the bullet in, you put in the gunpowder and you, you kind of press down the thing and it's like, uh, making buttons. Mm -hmm. you, you have a button press. Yep. It's like that, but for bullets. All right. A bullet <laughs> press. Yeah. But you could make a, you could make uh, a factory. If you could make, uh, lead balls and you can make, um, gunpowder you could probably build yourself a blunderbuss of some kind uh it wouldn't be terribly accurate but uh, you could blow holes in zombies all right well i'm pretty sure that in an upcoming episode we're going to see saviors using automatic weapons shooting normal ammunition and probably handguns shooting regular bullets uh and yeah. that kind of thing so I, this kind of stuff has to be lying around. There's got to be a uh, a gun shop somewhere or in somebody's basement. Uh, they have all of this equipment to, uh, to to reload. You can if you could collect your own brass, right? You don't need to make the casings. You have your casings as long as they're not cracked or broken. You can reuse them. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know about the the primers. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole thing. But yeah, I mean, the equipment exists in the world. Uh, 
it's just a matter of finding it. Right, and knowing how to use it and stuff. But let's say Eugene does know how to use it, and he can train other people, and then they do find it and they have what they need. I feel like it's within the realm of possibility to actually make the bullets they need. They might not be great or as effective as, I don't know, our factory-made bullets these days, but I think it's... Uh Possible. I think Keith has a point that uh, that machine shop that they have oh. is not sufficient. Sure. They cannot make the bullets there. They'd have to find the shit in somebody's basement or in a gun shop somewhere. And I bet you if you find the equipment, wherever you find it, there's a good chance you're going to find a book on how to use it. Well, there you go. So, I, yeah, they may not currently be able to do it, but they might at some point figure it out or find the location where they can't. Yeah. All right. Here comes a long one. Dan in York, UK writes, like Ezekiel, Eugene is is acting a role. And I think that everything about his character you chaps weren't on board with this week makes sense when viewed through this lens. Let's start with his strange circumlocutory way of speaking. I think that's how I pronounce that. <laughs> uh, this is not just a quirk. It is a vital part of his defenses serving three distinct functions. In the immediate sense, it lets him stall while he makes sure he has his, so his story straight. Eugene is having to largely improvise his role, with little time to script and rehearse what he says. More importantly, though, his general rambling provides cover for his more important bullshit. If people don't expect to understand what he says most of the time, then his technobabble only needs to sound vaguely scientific for people to accept that he knows what he's talking about. Further, it provides an important emotional distance between himself and the people he is lying to, and it makes perfect sense that his speech patterns have become more pronounced lately, because after a long post-gratum period in which he was able to be more open, the stakes just got much higher. His life has never depended more on his ability to stay in character than it does now that he's bullshitting Negan. This also explains why he didn't rat out Dwight once the latter was in the room. Eugene's ability to manipulate others is more effective with fewer people present because he is able to because he is better able to predict how people will react and finds it easier to steer the conversation. He'd probably practiced his conversation with Negan before coming to see him. Publicly accusing Dwight is another matter because Eugene doesn't know quite how Dwight would react to the confrontation or how the other saviors would rea uh, react to his reaction. In such circumstances, Eugene couldn't be sure he'd be able to stay in character and keep control of the conversation. So there's two schools of thought in my head on this. So one is that uh, Dan is absolutely right, that when you want to manipulate people, you separate them and talk to them separately so you can, uh, you can, you know, tell one person one thing and another person another thing and, and then keep control of the conversation. Uh, but I personally have been in a situation where uh, I had a number of people in a sort of an, a near area that I wanted to keep separate, uh, but I had a hard time keeping the conversation separate. So the only solution I could find was to get everybody at the same table. And then I did not stop talking because <laughs> I just needed to control the, the conversation. And I just wanted to make sure that the conversation didn't go in a spot where I'd have to backpedal or lie or do anything. So I just kept babbling. Is this when and, you were dating two girls and they were both in the same bar and you wanted yeah. to try and... <laughs> 
Yeah, that was that that was then. I couldn't because if I was over talking to one girl, the other girl would uh, be wondering why I wasn't talking to her. Why are you talking to her way over there? And then so I just it was an untenable situation. So I had to get them both at the same table and then just keep talking. Sounds like it worked out for you. <laughs> it did work. At least in the it short term. It absolutely did work. Okay. So that's the second school of thought. But I don't think it would work in this situation. I think it's much more within Dwight's character uh, uh, to try and keep these people separate, like Dan says. Yeah. And to try and control the conversation that way. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And once they were all in the same room, he couldn't do that. And he couldn't just drop the Dwight's a traitor because, I mean, Dwight's obviously going to sit there and deny it. And then it just creates this, uh, who's the traitor, Eugene or Dwight? And I mean, I know Eugene's, well, uh, Eugene's still sort of the new guy, right? So they might not believe him. Um, I just wanted to point out to Dan referenced Gratum, G-R-E-A-T-M. Do you remember what that is, Jason? Uh, no, I do not. It is an acronym for Glenn, Rosita, Eugene, Abraham, Tara, Maggie. And that was right. in an episode back a couple of seasons ago when they were out on the road and uh, Tara had water bottles and put their first initial on each of them oh, and yeah. it spelled Gratum. And nice. she did that. So that was, you know, back at a time when uh, Eugene was able to be a little bit more open. He was with people that weren't so uh, Negan-y. <laughs> no, and he could watch them have sex when he wanted and he could watch them have sex when he wanted to. So things were, yeah. things were great for him back then. That really eases the pressure on a social situation when you can watch each other have sex. <laughs> it really does. And everybody's okay with it because, you know, you'd all need to be consenting adults, right? Uh, you can't do it in secret. No, no, no. If, if everyone isn't consenting to that sort of thing, you, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You should not. And then it just makes the situation much more tense, not less tense. Yeah, but no, and this was a completely open situation where you could watch them have sex and everybody was comfortable with it and consenting and then uh, it really eased the tension and he felt a lot more comfortable right. uh, with his lies because everything was a lie, right? So Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so that was then, this is now and uh, I think Dan is right. It just explains why, uh, why Eugene would change his plan at the last second there and go with the, I can fix the intercom system thing instead right yeah <laughs> but hey working intercom would be would be useful too so uh yeah i, I love working intercoms absolutely i don't think that is something that's not worth doing he should he should be working on that in, mm -hmm. in his free time so <laughs> yeah not playing atari no definitely not and not drinking all night no all right next we have another long email from brandon in uh madison wisconsin I have to be in the minor minority for thinking this, given the opinion you both share of this episode, but episodes in this series can't be watched in a vacuum because of the wealth of source material and 7.5 seasons of backstories. Eugene's best skill set in the apocalypse is being a master manipulator of stronger people for his personal safety. Dating back to his time with Abraham, then adding the whole group uh, on the trip to D.C., he kept himself, uh, and for the most part, his traveling companions safe. To this point, he's been playing Negan and staying one step ahead of Negan's plans, since they are largely Eugene's quality of life improvement plans. While some of Eugene's efforts with the Sanctuary have hurt his friends, they have not directly harmed any of them, and he has tried to help them in, in every po at every possible turn. 
Since he has been at the sanctuary, he has plotted to kill Negan for the wives, offered to help and advice, uh, offered help and advice to Daryl to help him survive, survive and help Sasha in a Negan assassination attempt. With all of that in mind, while watching this episode, the ever calculating Eugene has reconciled his actions to this point since everyone is still alive. Now the group's safety is in peril. He t- tells Dwight, stop this or I'll tell on you because he believes that he can bring everything back into balance that has kept everyone alive so far. Yeah, so Brandon's email is sort of similar to Dan's before it, but I liked the idea here that uh, Eugene is able to sort of reconcile everything he's done because he has, in a way, sort of kept people safe, right? Um, he's... Not a lot of his friends, his previous friends or traveling companions have been killed. I mean, that may that may not be the case now, and that partly is why he had such a breakdown. Uh, but he's also been helping to keep people at the sanctuary safe, you know. Um, so I do like that. And ultimately, you know, that makes him feel good. And it comes back to uh, him trying to align himself with whoever can keep him safe as well. Um, but it is a good point that Brandon makes that it's not like Eugene hasn't sort of had opportunities to to do things that would harm other people, kill Negan specifically, and he chose not to do it. Um, and, and he did, you know, ha- help out Daryl a little bit when Daryl was held, held captive. So I yeah. feel like Eugene really does feel like he's trying his best and doing the best he can to have minimal people die, which is exactly what Negan says the saviors should be doing. So he really is on team Negan because he believes in their ideals. He believes in their ideals. He subscribed to their newsletter and he is doing exactly what the boss wants him to be doing. It sounds like, uh, Negan's just a little bit more extreme in his methods. Eugene uses talking and I don't know, his personality <laughs> or his, <laughs> right. his brain to, to come up with ideas that don't involve hitting people with baseball bats or... Too bad Negan only has uh, two syllables. I believe in Negan. It needs three syllables. Like, I believe in Rick Grimes. That's only two. Yeah. Anyway, I believe in Negan is what uh, D- D- Eugene would be saying. That's exactly what he'd be saying if he was there instead of Rosita, who said, I believe in Rick Grimes. Yeah. I think that's a line from the comic, too. Uh, I, re- I recall, uh, I don't remember who said it in the comic, but I have a feeling they, if it wasn't Rosita, I think they gave that line to Rosita in the show. Was it before or after the Dark Knight came out? Well, I even don't. in the comic, was it, cause was it before? Did, did, uh, I don't did know. <laughs> How am I supposed to connect con- Walking Dead release dates to a completely unrelated movie release date? What? You don't have an eidetic memory and have every moment of your life socked away for absolute recall no you're confusing me with you no me (laughs) i can't remember if i had a shower today (laughs) well that's because you work at home and you don't need to have a shower once a week man it's you know i said that for exaggeration i did have a shower today (laughs) just just so you know great i'm happy to know that good (laughs) all right uh my turn right you are right all right well this is easy this is a call from nad's Hey guys, it's Nats from Singapore, and I thought I would just give you a call to talk to you about Eugene. And there was just way too much Eugene. I think that five minutes of Eugene is just enough, but this was way too much Eugene in, in an episode. And it felt like 
the thing is, I get where they're coming from with Eugene. They're trying to show someone who is willing to do anything just to survive. And I get that not everybody wants to be a hero. Not everybody will be a Rick. Not everybody will be there. Most of us will most probably be a Eugene. We just want to survive. But the thing is, it's just too many idiosyncrasies in one character. There's the mullet, there's the, the fact that he's a genius, there's the weird way he talks, there's the cowardice, and it's just too many different things that they try to squeeze into a character that makes him way too unbelievable. And that just makes an episode like this not work because I feel like we need to be able to sort of empathize with him but also feel that he's rubbish in the same way. And I felt really bored watching this. This season has been brutal for me. I'm pretty much only watching it just to listen to you guys. And I hope I'm not the only one who feels this way. Thanks. Thanks, Nad. So I think she makes an interesting point in that there's too many um, character... Uh, what do you call them? What do you call them? Idiosyncratic? In, oh, I can't even Idi- say it. idiosyncrasies. There you go. In uh, in Eugene, right? He's that's yeah. all he is. He's not kind of uh, a deeper character. I don't know if I totally agree with that because there's a little bit more to him with that. But when you think about it, like some of the other characters, they have their defining personality traits. But Eugene has a lot of them: the hair, the way he talks, the you know. Whatever else was, whatever else she said. That's but, it. <laughs> well, I think there's more. I think she listed like four things. But anyways, yeah. it, it feels like those things are sort of what you notice a lot. And it masks maybe what else is going on with him a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I sort of agree that they went a little too Eugene here. Uh, I do think they've ramped up the way he talks too much. I'm, I'm sticking with that. Um, and if that was toned down a little bit, then I think I could handle it a little bit better. Yeah, I think we need to roll back all of these, uh, the characters. Negan, uh, Jadis, uh, Eugene, like we just, we got to roll back the intensity in these, these characters. We got to mute them a little bit. What about somebody like Daryl who, like what's Daryl's defining personality trait? Uh, brooding It's exactly the word I was thinking of. He's brooding. And uh, I don't... think he needs to giggle more? I don't (laughs) think he was always like that. He used to... When he had his brother around, you had the family dynamic going. And, you know, he was... He was a little bit more willing to speak his mind, I feel like, or lash out almost. Now, he just seems like a weird, emo, depressed, brooding guy all the time who's out for revenge. And... I think maybe they need to even dial that back a little bit and make Daryl, make him smile once in a while, make him communicate with another character about something that's, that you wouldn't expect maybe, you know, round him out a little bit more. So when you say they need to dial back Negan, I agree with that. Dial back Eugene, sure. Jadis, super weird. Uh, But I think that applies to some of the other characters that have been around a long time too. Yeah, Daryl. I mean, the... uh... When you set out on a path of revenge, first dig two graves. Yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah. So does that mean Daryl's going to die? Yes. Maybe that's the, so maybe Rick will shoot Daryl next, next episode and then I'm wrong about somebody dying being the surprising thing that nobody will think of. Man, can you imagine if not only they killed Daryl, 
that Rick did it? Yeah, well, that's what I was saying at the at the top. Like maybe Rick is going to kill Daryl. Um, I'm I'm slowly coming on board. I think that would be shocking. Yeah, I think it would be too. Um, but anyway, in any case, sorry. they're they're a little they're a little uh, they've gone a little far. I think on the defining personality traits of some of the characters, and they. I think they're better off keeping them a little bit more rounded. Like Carol's a good example. She's pretty rounded. She's changed the most, I think, of almost any character. And she reacts differently in different situations. Unless it comes to children, she just is mean to them and sometimes kills them. <laughs> Which is not yeah. good. Not good for the kids. Maybe she should dial that back a little bit. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> maybe the shocking moment's going to be Carol killing an adult. <laughs> Carol, kill less children. Just a few less children just please. here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to one for once. Yeah, that's right. Just once. Maybe you'll maybe you'll like how it makes you feel. Oh, she was nice to that last kid. She gave him a handgun. Yeah, that's true. How can that not be nice? That's good. It was a present. Um, hey, listen, what about if uh, Oceanside comes back into this somehow and they're involved in the shocking moment? Uh, I'm not so sure what it would be, but we haven't seen them in a long time. And I don't feel, I feel like it's not like we're never going to see them again. And and Heath is in charge. And Heath is in charge. Maybe Heath returns and everyone's going to be blown away. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. But maybe that's why it would be shocking and surprising that nobody would see coming because it's so completely out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think it's going to be Oceanside for the record, but... Maybe they'll be in the episode, or I, I think we'll see them sometime again in season eight. Maybe Madison shows up and they lied to us about who the crossover character was. Now, see, that would be amazing. <laughs> that, you know, if they're going to lie to us, then that's fine. You know, point us in the wrong direction. If Madison shows up tomorrow night, I mean, on Sunday night, yeah, I will, I will applaud AMC for the whole thing. <laughs> because that would be something. And uh, it's it's one thing to not tell us about something. It's another thing to release absolutely incorrect direction for the purpose. I mean, information for the purpose of misdirection. Yeah. And I think I'd be okay with that. But <laughs> now that we've figured it out, it's going to well, be. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's lying for good and not for evil. Right? Exactly. There's a big difference. You know, I, uh, for me, one uh, point at about. 15 years ago, I decided that I would only lie for good and not for evil. Mm-hmm. Because as it turns out, I'm a very good liar mm-hmm. and it's, it was detrimental for a while. You so should... I decided that no more lying except for good purposes. Use like your when, powers for good. When my wife asked me where you were, I don't say, uh, I don't make up a lie really. I say, I can't tell you. Right. Or, or if I, you know, if I buy her a present and. I lie about the pre- I lied about having the uh, the engagement ring for a couple of months. Sure. Like I throw her off the trail that I was going to ask her to marry me, but I actually had the ring in my pocket for like a month. <laughs> anyway, well, that's that that that's lying for good and it's okay. Exactly. She I told her that I had lied afterwards and she said for that I forgive you. Perfect. It's all good. All right. So, uh next we have an email from Paul in Connecticut. All the Auk folk, the AHK folk, have continuously made the case that Negan is a real villain and monster. Eugene has witnessed several interactions with Negan and been part of his mafia table discussions in which he has emphasized that the saviors only kill the few people that they need to. 
Contrast that with Rick's slaughter of the outpost and now the broken promise uh, from Rick and Auk that they that the good guys only wanted Negan dead but didn't want to hurt any of the workers. I think Eugene is enraged uh, that Father Gabriel and the others believe themselves to be so high and mighty when they just sentenced the entire compound to death. You know, it does seem like Rick and Auk have killed a lot more people than Negan and the Saviors. And, Are we uh, coming around to the idea that killing Glenn was a good thing? Oh, I don't know if I can come <laughs> around to that. You know, Abraham, maybe, but Glenn? Yeah, no. Abraham, fine. Glenn, I, I'm not <laughs> so sure I can I can deal with still to this day. Uh, Abraham, they needed to dial back too. He was kind of an over-the-top over the character for a while there too, right? Yeah, yes, he was. Yeah. He was. So, but, so kill him, fine. But Glenn, <laughs> uh, you know... We're, we're latching onto an idea that uh, the saviors only kill the few in order to benefit the many. Uh, and so killing Glenn was good? Well, I mean, Rick has decided, I know he says he just wants to kill Negan, only Negan has to die. But he sure has killed a lot of people on his way to Negan. Yeah. Okay, so Glenn was the father... Uh, of uh, an unborn child and the wife of the woman who he impregnated, right? So that was, you know, that's a bad thing. Well, I mean, he Killing was the, the husband f- of, the, of the woman he impregnated, but yes. Did I say wife? Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I don't believe in gender roles. <laughs> Fair <laughs> anyway, enough. Anyway, uh, so that's a bad thing. You think that Rick and the gang uh, killing all of the savior people that they killed and uh, sentencing all the rest to death. Do you think there are any uh, unborn children and or fathers and wives of people that uh, are married to unborn children moms? (laughs) I'm having a hard time phrasing this, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably lots of those people in there. We just don't know who they are. We know who Glenn was. Well, there are there. I think we know for sure that there are some. We found baby Gracie and Rick. I mean, stole her, stole, stole. <laughs> it's a stolen baby. I mean, the guy, the guy walks into a room, kills her father, presumably, and steals the baby. Like it's at it's, least the guardian, right? I like, right. I, okay, there's a baby here and I killed everybody around here. So I got to take the baby. <laughs> well, that's right. It's, but I mean, he's, the guy's done some terrible things and he's, he killed a whole bunch of people in their sleep, you know, last year. So yeah, it's. When you lay it all out like this, I don't know, like Rick talks about only killing Negan, but sure seems willing to kill everybody between him and Negan to get there. Negan, we've seen him kill Glenn and Abraham. Um, and he has a reason for doing it. I don't like the fact that Glenn and Abraham are dead, at least Glenn, but you know, it's pretty different when you lay it all out on the table like that. Yeah. Do you think if Negan took Judas that we'd think him a good guy? Well, if Negan walked into a room, killed everybody in that room, and then found Judith in a crib and was like, well, I got to take the baby, I'd feel like it was, you know, killing everyone in the room might not have been the right thing to do, but it's never the right thing to do to abandon a baby. So, Well, yeah, absolutely. That that absolutely was the wrong that would be the wrong thing to do no matter what. Yes. Killing the guardian was also wrong. Whoever that guardian, we, 
whoever that guardian was, whether it's the parent or somebody who is strictly taking care of the child. Yeah, just somebody. But you can't just go, ah, fuck it, and then leave the baby. No, right? you cannot you, do that. You can't do that. Rick didn't know there was a baby there. He killed the people before he realized there was a baby. But, you know, I'm not so sure had he known the baby was there, he would have stopped what he was doing. Maybe. Well, yeah. He might have. He might have. But what else is he going to do in that situation? I mean, that dude attacked him. Um, and then uh, Morales was there for no reason. So it's, I don't know. It's, I just think that Rick is behaving in a way that is a little bit contrary to what he's saying he wants to do. Uh, yeah. We're and, definitely skirting the line between good guy and bad guy here. hundred like percent. We're starting to like lean over towards maybe Negan's not so bad. I know. Right. And, and that's kind of a weird place to be. It feels weird. It does feel strange to, to be leaning that way. Uh, I'm sure that's what it, they want us to feel and we can't well, be good the for them ones. then. Like overall with all the, the shitty nitpicking we've done over this season, like if their entire point is that maybe Negan's not so bad and if so, what does that make Rick? Uh-huh. Right? If that's their entire point, it's fucking working. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And I didn't really even realize it until we'd all, until just now. Yeah. But I think it is working a little bit. Uh, I guess all you need oh. is some time to separate from the, the loose ceiling of, of, uh, of Glenn. Yeah. And a little bit more information. Yeah, and the first half of last season to the first half of the end of first half of this season. Uh, we've got come quite a long way. We really have. So the show knows what they're doing in that respect, at least. Yeah, just friggin' get some realism on your firearms usage and, and make me happy. And boy, how great would everything be then? Okay, just, just to point out something. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't just nitpick this show. I recently watched uh, Captain America Civil War. And I was, I came real close to making notes of the bullshit that was in that movie that really annoyed me. But it was a good movie. I know it was a good movie. So I just wanted to say that I don't just nitpick this show. I nitpick everything. It's just that this show, I do a podcast about. Right. And, and spend more time thinking about it than most other things too. So the little things tend to jump out at you more, but I, uh, on one hand, I sort of feel like I'm. I'm getting, well, sometimes I think I'm getting better at not letting those things bother me. And other days I think they bother me more than they ever have and I'm getting worse. So I think it might just depend on what, what it is, you know, what the thing is. I think it's the fact that we're getting older. Well, we are. You know, when I, when I was in my twenties, if somebody walked across my lawn, I don't think I'd be upset by it. But if somebody walked across my lawn right now and I saw them, I'd probably yell at them. (laughs) <laughs> you're the grumpy old man getting off my get off my lawn kids if somebody was playing ball and the ball went like over and up into the balcony of my uh upstairs i don't know if i'd return it i probably would <laughs> you probably would but you'd be annoyed <laughs> I'd still yell at them for being in my yard a second yeah uh well listen there will come a day when your son is playing in your backyard and probably kicking balls over the fence so you better be ready for that Oh yeah, I'm breaking windows and doing all kinds of It'll happen. stuff. I'm yeah. absolutely sure of it. My kids kick balls over the fences all the time. And you know, I'm, I'm, I live in a pretty dense neighborhood, so, uh, they can kick a ball like two houses over if they really want to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Strong. One, one more email here, everybody. And it's a positive one and something that we don't talk about too much. So we're going to end with it. This comes from Tommy in Scotland. Tommy says, did you hear how amazing the music was on this week's episode? Music is an extremely powerful tool, and I feel it was utilized very well this week. 
the at the score added emotion tension suspense and unease in all the right places and had me even more engaged in the drama than usual it makes me wish the show used music more often than they currently do especially if it was as high in quality as it is in this episode i feel it would emphasize storylines and add more color and depth to the visual drama and action uh, were being shown on screen so there you go. Great music this episode. I think it was cool too, especially in the scene when Eugene was down in the warehouse looking for the iPad in the casket or the coffin, right? Uh, iPod. Or iPod, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have iPads, I don't think. No, no, I don't know if we've seen one. It was 2010 when this whole thing started, but anyways. And when, when the iPad came out? No, when the Walking Dead started. No, no, when did the iPad come out? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you see, that's it. I'm sorry. I thought maybe you did correlate that, those dates. No, I'm not sure. Uh, But the, it was March 7, 2012. Yeah, so iPads did not exist. Oh, there you go. Yeah. iPods did, though. iPods did, yes. Especially those old white click wheel ones. So anyways, that music was cool in that scene. Bear McCreary is still doing the music for this show and generally doing a bang up job. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Tommy is right. Music can really add a lot to a scene, so... It definitely can. Pay attention to the music, everyone. You will not be disappointed. And if at all possible, time the fight scenes, like gunfire or sword fights or whatever, to the music. I really enjoy that. Yeah, that works in some things. I don't know if it would work on this show. I have the... <laughs> you just want And then to put in it. some ACDC. I mean, is sure. it too much to ask for? Yeah. I, it might be. It, it, might. it might be, but hey, if they're listening... Throw in some ACDC. It'll be great. Did you know my blinker in my car is uh, at the exact tempo of Back in Black? Did you know that? Do you just put the song on and then drive with your turn It was on the radio on? and the clicker was on. It was like, oh my God, it's the same tempo. It's exactly the same. It was, I was so excited. I had to almost, I almost had to pull over. Well, just, yeah, I get excited about a Dark Knight movie and you get excited about that. But I, I understand that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, go later on tonight, go out and sit in your car, put on Back in Black and turn your signals on. I do. When I turn the signal on, sometimes I think about back in black. I'm sitting there waiting for the light to turn. It's awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. All right. That's all the feedback. Thanks so much to everyone who wrote in uh, and called and and all that kind of stuff. We will be returning on Monday night next week to talk about the mid-season finale. And if you'd like to do a title read for it, the title is How It's Gotta Be. And I will bet you $100 that how it's got to be is a line that someone will speak in the episode. As in, Rick, this is how it's got to (laughs) be. Or or it'll be Rick saying, Daryl, this is how it's got to be. Bang. Shoots him down. Yeah, but then we need Ron Howard to come on a voiceover and say, hey, that's the name of the show. (laughs) Like he did on Arrested Development when they said Arrested Development. Yeah, that's right. Hey. Such a good show. How it's got to be. So if you want to get into a title read, though, if you do want to hear yourself read that, uh, record that, fire it into us, and we'll play as many as we can during the recap next week. Um, The podcast might be a tiny bit late, but not significantly. I just say that because usually I put it out pretty late on Monday nights or early Tuesday morning. Uh, However, my... Both of my children are in a musical performance next Monday night in a stroke of terrible timing, but uh, I do have to do attend that that evening and then come home and sit down and record with you, Jason. So right. we'll be recording maybe a little later than usual, but 
we're going to do it because you can't miss the mid-season finale. And you can't miss your daughter's musical. And I can't miss the kid's musical, no. So uh, I'm looking forward to both. Yeah. And it's not a Christmas musical. No. Their in school, December. Their school is putting on a production of Beauty and the Beast, and both girls are in it this year. Last year, just my older was in, older daughter was in it, and, uh, you know, I know I'm a little biased, but she was amazing, and the whole thing was great. And Good. so now they're both in it this year because... Um, everybody's a year older so they can both participate now so nice anyways they went ahead and scheduled the performance on the podcast night for the mid-season finale so i gotta do without that without consulting you at all nobody asked me anything they just yeah. went ahead and did it so uh i'll be at that then i'll be home recording and we'll get the podcast out as soon as we can but i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to this super shocking moment when rick murders everyone at oceanside and <laughs> <laughs> who knows murders everyone he knows and goes solo and and then yeah he murders everyone he knows and then doesn't kill negan that'll be the shocking thing yeah it's gonna be a complete cast reset it will <laughs> <laughs> guess what everyone we're starting over <laughs> starting over yeah. you still got andrew lincoln so don't worry about that yeah but everybody else is dead there you go are you shocked i would I, be. i would be shocked yeah, yeah. All right, so that'll be coming up on Monday. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, though, send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the website and click on send voicemail to record a message. And you can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And those are all the fine ways to get in touch with us. Otherwise, uh, that's going to do it. So... Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.